Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Well, it finally happened. The Lakers this season have lost two games in a row, and now they have plummeted down the Western Conference rankings. Plummeted, I say. All the way down to the number three spot behind the Utah Jazz. Any eight-game winning streak will do that. And the rival Los Angeles Clippers. The good news is that all three of these teams have 14 wins apiece. So there's plenty of time to right the ship and get back atop the Western Conference. The bad news is that one of these back-to-back losses came against the Philadelphia 76ers, who are on top of the Eastern Conference, so a potential NBA Finals matchup did not go the Lakers' way, unfortunately. Now, back-to-back losses aren't really the big deal they seem to be, uh, at least aren't as big a deal as this Lakers team is making them out to be. As great a goal as not losing back-to-back games an entire season is, it's pretty unfeasible. And even last season, despite the fact that the Lakers went on to win the championship, uh, they lost back-to-back games on three different occasions last season. So it's definitely not the end of the world. Uh, They even lost four straight at one point in December last season. So back-to-back losses on the road, especially when one, uh, one of them is missing Anthony Davis, it's definitely not the end of the world. Uh, While the loss against the Sixers was disappointing, it wasn't without its various good signs. Second loss in a row versus the Pistons was disappointing in that they had an okay first half. LeBron came out on fire. Second half completely gave away the game and just a terrible second half that was obviously playing down the competition. A waste of a great LeBron James first half in which he went 4 for 4 from the three-point line uh, only to end up 4 for 8 for the game. But playing down in the competition is human nature. There's a lot of NBA games even in this shortened 72-game season. And that, and like I said, no Anthony Davis doesn't, doesn't help things versus Detroit because Blake Griffin went off against the Lake Show. And so did Derrick Rose. Yeah, high-scoring guards continue to be an issue for this Lakers team, which doesn't necessarily bode well against an opponent like Brooklyn, although... Brooklyn is really terrible defensively, and so I don't think you have to worry too much about an NBA Finals matchup there. But 
yeah, I mean, it does it does tend to point to looking at the other teams in the West, Houston with John Wall, and now with Victor Oladipo, Portland is always going to have CJ and Dame. Yeah, there's some high-scoring backcourts out there. Phoenix with Devin Booker. Utah, as we mentioned, is on top of the Western Conference right now. They've got Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell. Uh, opposing backcourts, really good ones, could be a problem potentially for this team. And so there are definitely some things that need to be addressed via trades, but we'll get to that later. In searching the box scores for both of these games, one thing does kind of stand out in particular, uh, and that's KCP. For all of the praise that's been lapped upon KCP lately for his play, and his play has been insanely great uh, in both of these games against Philadelphia and then against Detroit, KCP went off for three points versus Philadelphia, six points versus Detroit, didn't make any threes in either of those two games. Didn't get very many of the peripheral stats that we like seeing from him. Uh, versus Detroit had a minus 20 plus minus versus Philadelphia. Uh, he was plus one versus Philadelphia. And Philadelphia, for all I've talked about that game, we'll focus on that game now. It was a one-point loss. And the Lakers did kind of come back in that fourth quarter and made it a game. And so... Yeah, the Detroit loss is the Detroit loss. They played down to the competition. There's not a whole lot to talk about there. Detroit's going nowhere, and everyone, including the Lakers, know it, and they played like it. But, yeah, the Philadelphia game, KCP, uh, three points. Uh, I misspoke. He did shoot one for two from three. Got three, re three rebounds, two assists, one steal. But... So that was one of his better games, although you definitely would like to see more points out of KCP. Uh, the bench was definitely disappointing against Philadelphia. Three points out of Kyle Kuzma. Definitely got to do better than that. His scoring is down, as we've talked about ad nauseum this season. Uh, his rebounding is up. But against Philadelphia, Philadelphia's a really big team. You definitely need more than simple rebounding. Uh, you know, to, to play against Philly. And Philadelphia did kind of expose another problem with this Los Angeles Lakers defense. And fortunately, it's a problem that... I mean, there aren't many play, there aren't many examples of this. You saw a little bit of it versus Cleveland with Andre Drummond. But Joel Embiid... So... This Lakers defense has a little bit of a problem with high-scoring backcourts. And they apparently have a problem with generational big men like Andre Drummond and Joel Embiid. Fortunately, there are only two, only two players in the NBA that are like Joel Embiid and Andre Drummond, and it's Joel Embiid and Andre Drummond. So Joel Embiid in this game, he's, <clears throat> he's on an MVP campaign similar to LeBron. Uh, 28 points in this game for Joel Embiid, two blocks, four assists, six rebounds, shot 11 for 13 from free throw. 11 for 13. As great as Marc Gasol is fundamentally defensively, yeah, against, against an Andre Drummond, 
against the Joel Embiid. Maybe even against a, a Nikola Jokic. He's going to be too slow. He's just not going to be effective against centers like that. And it could end up being a problem. As Joel Embiid was definitely a problem this one. Um, Joel Embiid also kind of exposed the fact that not only could Marcus Gasol not fare well against centers like Joel Embiid or Andre Drummond, neither can Montrez Harrell. Montrez Harrell entered into this game, uh, I believe, having hit double digits in pretty much every game this season. Against Philadelphia, played 14 minutes, 45 seconds, didn't score a single point. Which is definitely unusual for Montrez. Even more unusual, grabbed one rebound. So in, 14, in almost 15 minutes of play, Montrez put up one field goal, grabbed one rebound. Did get three steals, but he also fouled four times. So... Really important to this Lakers team is the second unit. If the second unit is nullified, if Kyle Kuzma is going to give you three points off the bench, if Montrez is going to give you nothing off the bench, you can't really rely too much on Taylor Horton Tucker yet. Same for Markeith Morris. Caruso had a really good game against Philadelphia. Caruso is going to have his, his moments, definitely. Caruso is actually playing outstanding this season in the limit in the limited minutes that, that he gets. But against a team against a deep team like Philly, against a team like Brooklyn, you're gonna need the second unit to step up. Because teams like that, the Lakers starters are gonna nullify each other versus their opponent. They're gonna do that against Brooklyn. They're gonna do that against Philly. Did that against Milwaukee. So it's going to be the second unit that has to shine for this Lakers unit. And chief to that has got to be Kyle Kuzma. But beyond that, yeah, Montrez, Montrez can't be turning in games of zero points. You just can't. It's, it, it's, it's hard to use the word unacceptable, but yeah, that's basically what that performance from Montrez Harrell was. It was unacceptable versus Philadelphia. But like I said, it's not really to his fault. Joel Embiid is who he is. He's a generational big. There's not really anybody like him in the league, except for maybe an Andre Drummond. And thankfully, there's only two of those guys. Would have been nice to see Ben Simmons held a little bit more. Uh, he had he had a triple-double of 17, 11 rebounds, 10 assists. He also got a steal on a block. Shot 8 for 15. He doesn't shoot outside the lane very much, and so as a point guard, it should be easy to kind of limit his points. What you want to do with Ben Simmons is you want to limit his opportunity for assists. You want to limit his opportunity to make the offense run. And so, granted, he is a six foot ten inch tall point guard, and it's really hard to stop a six foot ten inch tall point guard from rebounding. But you've got to find a way to stop him from rebounding because when he rebounds, he goes. And as he goes, this Philadelphia team goes. Uh, it also didn't help that the revenge narrative sort of seemed to motivate Danny Green to play a really great game. He shot four for nine from three to the tune of 14 points for the game. Would have been really nice if Danny Green could shoot that way in the NBA Finals, but that is in the past when I don't worry about it. 
Uh, Tobias Harris also uh, had a really great game at 24 points. Um, as bad as the Lakers were, this Lakers second unit was de- defensive, offensively. Uh, defensively, they did hold the Sixers uh, pretty well. Uh, their highest scorer off the bench was Shake Milton with nine points, and you got Furkman Korkmaz with eight, and it's pretty much all you got out of the Philadelphia 76ers second unit. So, yeah, I think <clears throat> I think in a seven-game series, as it's going to come down to really any opponent this season. If the Lakers remain healthy in a seven-game series, I don't see how this type of result a one-point loss against the 76ers is a repeatable thing for Philadelphia. It seems as though, given the opportunity, the Lakers would absolutely outshine in the seven-game series, especially looking at the fact that they shot 8 for 24 from 3. You, They've been shooting better than that this season. Uh, 16 for 25 from the free throw line. That was a problem last season. They won the championship. Continues to be a problem this season. Shooting, missing way too many free throws. Especially Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis this season, for whatever reason, uh, shooting 71.1% from the free throw line, which isn't a bad percentage. But you figure he's gone as high as 85% from the free throw line last before. He shot 85% last year. He's an 80% shooter of the year before that in New Orleans. He's a career 80% free throw shooter. For him to shoot 71% this season, I maintain that free throws are all kind of, it's all in between the years. And I think for some people it's going to be an Achilles heel like it is for for LeBron James. For whatever reason, dude can't shoot free throws in certain situations. And it's, it's frustrating. But, uh, it is what it is. Anyway, back to the box score. Uh, so, yeah, I don't think in a seven-game series this is too much to worry about. There's plenty of good things here to see. They shot pretty well from the field, had a good offensive rating, didn't have a very good defensive rating, but I think defense is one of those things that is all about effort and you know, when it comes to playoff time, LeBron James does kind of step up his game a little bit. And, yeah, I think a 34-point game is kind of more what you'd see from him throughout the playoffs. And if he's going to be doing that game to game, it's hard to stop this Lakers team. So for the Pistons, yeah, most most of this game was basically playing down to the competition. They played a really great first half. LeBron started out 4-4 four for four from 3, like I said. Ended up 4 for 8, shot 8 for 19 for the game, 22 points. Was tied with Kyle Kuzma, who started in place of Anthony Davis uh, for that 22-point scoring lead. Kyle Kuzma also grabbed 10 rebounds, so it was a great game for him. He tends to play pretty well when he does start. I've kind of made the argument that if you could convince Anthony Davis to just be the center, the Lakers would be in a position where they could start Kyle Kuzma alongside KCP and Dennis Schroeder, to which you've now got a front court, a front scoring court of Anthony Davis, LeBron James, Kyle Kuzma, and you've got a defensive focused backcourt in Dennis Schroeder and KCP. 
Now that does kind of decimate the second unit, and Marcus has almost no place in that second unit. So I think to take him out of the starting lineup would basically eliminate his role altogether, which I've been on record saying I wasn't 100% a fan of the Marcus signing. It's been a little bit better offensively than I thought it would. He actually has plays a really good two-man game with LeBron. Anytime he gets the ball up in the high court, look for back back uh, back cuts and layups. He does that really well with Schroeder and KCP. Although teams are starting to kind of pick up on that when as soon as Gasol gets the ball in the high court, uh, he's he's looking to pass almost immediately. And I think as teams pick that up, that's also going to nullify his role a little bit. Uh, so the Lakers are in a position where I think decisions need to be made. Um, the trading deadline is coming up. This still isn't until April. And so I think there's definitely time to kind of figure out what they can do with this unit, what pieces they can move around, what might be available come buyout deadlines. Uh, it's just a little disheartening seeing how how well DeMarcus Cousins is playing in Houston, seeing how well how JaVale is, JaVale is playing in Cleveland. Um, JaVale is having an absolutely really great season in Cleveland. Let's take a look at JaVale's numbers here real quick. So JaVale McGee this season in Cleveland, uh, 8.2 points a game, 6 rebounds, is blocking 1.1 shots in about 16 minutes which is about what he played last season. So last season in Los Angeles, JaVale played 16.6 minutes per game, almost exactly what he's playing in Cleveland now. But in Cleveland, he's scoring eight points a game versus the six. And so basically he's putting up similar numbers. Uh, almost the same amount of rebounds. He's getting more assists in Cleveland. And he's blocking almost the same number of shots. So what you're seeing in Cleveland from JaVale is basically what you saw in L.A. And he's he's having a really good impact for Cleveland. And Cleveland is at the point where they do have three centers. It does unfortunately look like they're going to trade Andre Drummond. So they're probably going to need to hold on to JaVale, which is unfortunate. Uh, yeah, Lakers fans. Basically what I'm saying is I feel like we took JaVale McGee for granted. As unfortunate as that is to say. As crazy as that is to say. Uh, JaVale, his, uh, he's definitely an underappreciated gem out there. He has been his entire career. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. We miss him. But back to the back to the Detroit game. So yeah, no Anthony Davis. Kyle Kuzma started, had a pretty good game. Better game from Montrez. Uh, outstanding game from Taylor Horton Tucker. Played 14 minutes, put up 13 points, shot three threes. Uh, a couple of really good highlights. Taylor is going to find spots where he's going to excel. They're not going to be. 
that plentiful those spots but he's definitely coming on and I think come playoff time his minutes will be limited but I think he's going to come on at times and do really great things but yeah for the most part not a whole lot to look for in this box score the Lakers played down in the competition like I said second half was just terrible two points in the second half for LeBron 13 in the second half for Kyle Kuzma. A lot of that came in the garbage, garbage time. Kind of screwed my daily, daily fantasy lineup last night. As great as it was to see Kyle Kuzma play as a Lakers fan, as a DFS player, he did kind of take some money out of my pocket. But as I tend to do, I tend to look at things that are not replicable. And, I mean, not like this Detroit team is anything to worry about down the road, but 14 points in the, sec in the second half for Blake Griffin. That's not happening a lot throughout the season. It happened last night versus the Lakers. It is where it is. Eight points in the second half from Derrick Rose off the bench. It's not always going to happen. Derrick Rose, another guy that Lakers fans were just clamoring for last year, hoping Detroit would buy him out. Same thing again this year. Detroit is going absolutely nowhere. Nowhere. And you've got Blake Griffin and Derrick Rose eating up a lot of salary. And especially now that you've got Jeremy Grant there, this is kind of where the Detroit's Detroit's future should focus dirt on Jeremy Grant, Josh Jackson, those young guys. You definitely don't need a Derrick Rose. You don't need a Blake Griffin, but Blake Griffin's price tag is probably pretty high at this point. But let's move on to another Lakers storyline this season. An absolutely positive one. Uh, one that I have been waiting for for a long time. LeBron James is firmly midway through the season. Well, a little bit earlier than midway through the season. Early in the season. We're just a month after the season started. Uh, LeBron James is firmly in the MVP conversation. Finally. As he should always be firmly in the MVP conversation. 25.5 points per game, 7.8 rebounds, 7.5 assists. Now, he led the, led the league in assists last year. That was absolutely great to see. Clearly, that seemed to hurt his impact as an MVP nominee. He was ended up being one of the finalists towards the, once the season was said and done, but there wasn't this narrative throughout the season, despite the fact that the Lakers were always atop the Western Conference. There was never really this discussion of, whether or not he could be the MVP, not until the last few weeks of the season. And so here we are, 20 games in the season. LeBron hasn't missed a game. He's playing less minutes, but still putting up really similar numbers to times that he's won MVP. So yeah, the assists are down, but the rebounds are consistent. And, I mean, the assists are, the assists are really consistent for what he's done throughout his entire season. For his career, he's 7.4 assists. This season, he's 7.5. For his career, he's 7.4 rebounds. This season, he's 7.8. Now, as for career, he is 27 points per game, and this year, he's 25.5, but his numbers are also down nearly five minutes. So, for missing five minutes per game, on the average, he's only scoring two points less than what he usually has throughout his entire career. So in year 18, <laughs> LeBron is 
I mean, he's just outstanding. Uh, he is having his absolute best season ever shooting threes. He's shooting threes at 41.7%, which is insane. He's putting up 6.6 threes per game, which is far more than he's ever put up. The, the second most he's put up was last season, which he put up 6.3, but he shot 35% from, free, from the three-point line. This year, uh, he's... He's almost three for seven per game. The fact that he's putting up so many threes is just crazy. Free throws, uh, free throw percentage is pretty consistent with what he's been throughout his career, down a little bit from his entire career. But the narrative is just as crazy as it always is. Um, you know, there's there's Joel Embiid. Like I said, Joel Embiid is is a pretty legitimate MVP candidate. Philadelphia is uh, on top of the Eastern Conference. Uh, Joel's played 15 games so far this season. He's putting up 27.7 points, so two more than LeBron, getting more rebounds at 11.1. Uh, 2.8 assists. He's obviously not going to get as many assists as LeBron. Uh, defensively, he's having a really good impact. 1.2 steals per game, 1.4 blocks. He's also shooting 40% from three, but he shoots a lot less than LeBron does. And Joel Embiid, for being a seven-footer, is a really good free-throw shooter. So, yeah, Joel Embiid is a legitimate MVP candidate. I think when it boils down to things like he's missed a couple of games this season. LeBron's played 20 to Joel's 15. That, I think, matters. Joel is getting defensive intangibles and steals and blocks. But LeBron statistically doesn't look like he's having a good defensive season. But analytically, when you factor in, we talked about this last episode, when you factor in that players sh shooting against him are shooting roughly 30%, which is tops in the league for defense, I think LeBron analytically is having a really good defensive year, probably close to the year he went, in which he finished second in Defensive Player of the Year voting. Uh, another MVP candidate that people are talking about that just boggles my mind, and it's one of those things where I, a few weeks ago I joked about how was the goalpost going to move for LeBron in the MVP narrative this season. and Because it's always something. Uh, Russell Westbrook averages a triple-double for the first time in his career. Give him the MVP. Does it a second year in a row isn't even considered for the MVP uh, because they moved the goalpost. Suddenly that year, averaging a triple-double didn't matter. You know, you always hear about, you know, winning. Winning matters. Giannis is the two-time MVP largely because Milwaukee has been the best regular season team in the NBA. James Harden always garners MVP consideration because of how well he plays in the regular season in which he really just plays well, super well, during January. So this year, Nikola Jokic, the Denver Nuggets are nowhere near as good as they were last season. They've had some injuries. They've had some players out due to COVID, health and safety protocols, all that sort of stuff. 
Uh, Denver's 11 and 7. They currently sit fourth in the West, and so they're definitely not towards the bottom. But they don't have a better record than the Lakers. They don't have a better record than Philadelphia. And with all that being said, Nikola Jokic is garnering some MVP consideration. His numbers are definitely more impressive. He factor in, he's averaging 25.2 to LeBron's 25.5. He's averaging 8.9 assists per game to LeBron's 7.5. And he's averaging 11.8 rebounds to LeBron's 7.4. So yeah, his numbers overall are better. Uh, he's played 18 games. I don't think he's, I think he might have missed one or two. And so, yeah, if Denver finishes as a top three seed in the West, I could see him being a legit MVP candidate. Probably wouldn't even really be mad if he won. But man, it's, this is just me personally. I don't like, I don't like Jokic's game. It's, he's a great passer. Uh, but he's not very athletic, not very quick. Uh, he doesn't, I don't think, have a complete game. Well, he gets a lot of rebounds, gets some steals, gets some blocks. I don't think defensively he has the overall impact that LeBron's been having this season. And so, yeah, to look at it as purely from a numbers standpoint, sure. Jokic can get some consideration for MVP, and so can Joel Embiid. But... I think you factor in how well LeBron's playing at his age. Um, if the Lakers do end up with the best record in the league, or at the very least tops in the West, I've got to figure that that matters more. And I feel like the media, if they are going to go by narratives or if they are going to go by things like that, I feel like the media has messed up in the last couple of years giving Harden so much consideration because clearly the guy's not an MVP. He's been a locker room problem this whole time. He gets MVP consideration because of how well he plays in January. That's my opinion. But I am a biased LeBron fan, so I just do feel like he's he deserves the MVP consideration every season. Let's see. I wrote in my notes a uh, Kuzma update, but we kind of went over that a little bit. He played great when he started against Detroit. Didn't play very good when he came off the bench against Philadelphia. Uh, he's getting a lot of rebounds, um, but that's really about it. Kyle Kuzma is, his role seems to be solidified in that he's a defensive-oriented um, player whose focus is rebounds, and he can score when he gets open shots, but he shouldn't really look for open shots, and he's not really running the offense when he's in there. And so, you know, his role is to, uh, to be instinctive and react and not really to make decisions and run out, run the offense. So a uh, decent week for Kyle Kuzma. Not a great week, but they're not asking much out of him, and he's delivering what they're asking, so that's good. So we've gone over some of the standings. Let's just end the show by going over the standings as we usually do. So, uh, yeah, as we mentioned, 1, 2, and 3 in the West, all 14 wins apiece, uh, Utah Clippers, Lakers, Denver number four, like we talked about. Uh, San Antonio five. They moved up a little bit uh, at ten and eight. Memphis, surprisingly pretty high. John Morant's having a really good season. Uh, Memphis at seven and six. Phoenix and Portland are tied for that seven seed at nine and eight. 
You've got Golden State nipping at the Trailblazers and Suns' heels at 10 and 9. Guessing the uh, tiebreaker is what puts them in that ninth spot. Houston and OKC are tied at 8 and 9 for the 10 spot. Dallas in that 12 spot. Dallas was supposed to be a really good team, and they are a really good team defensively, but they have got a mountain to climb if they think they're going to get into the playoff picture. And speaking of that MVP race, uh, at this at this point, Luka is all but out uh, with an 8-10 and 10 record. Don't see him really coming back into the MVP conversation, unfortunately. He'll be an MVP at some point, just not quite yet. Uh, Sacramento at 7-10, they're the worst defensive team in history. They will end up being the worst team in the league. Do not worry about them being in the 13th seed. Uh, New Orleans at 6-10. I don't think Stan Van Gundy is going to last the season. If he does last the season, he's going to be fired in the summer once the season ends. He doesn't seem to be a good mix for this New Orleans team, and they were already talking about trading Lonzo and or J.J. Redick, which... They should. They should find a way to trade uh, or buy out J.J. and then he can come to the Lakers. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Minnesota at 4-13. and yeah, They might they might end up being the worst team in the West behind Sacramento. They're just not good. Carl Anthony Towns has missed a lot of time. He got injured early in the season, and then he unfortunately tested positive with COVID, and he has been out. Uh, with that for a little while, and so we'll wait for him to come back. But Minnesota not having a great season this season. I don't think Anthony Edwards, he might be fine for a little while. I don't think he's going to end up being a great pick for that team. Out in the East, we've got Philadelphia tops, like we said, 13-6. and six. Milwaukee and Indiana, both with 11 wins apiece. Milwaukee, 2. Indiana, 3. Uh, Brooklyn starting to come up, uh, twelve and eight with that four seed. Boston at ten and seven. They were they were the top in the East at one point, falling down a bit. Cleveland, Cleveland continues to be a super fun team to watch. They're nine and nine. Those uh, those quirky kids in Cleveland: Darius Garland, Colin Sexton, Chetty Osman. Chetty Osmond, one of LeBron's favorites. Uh, another guy I hope to see in a Laker uniform one day, Chetty Osmond. Uh, Atlanta at 9-9 nine nine in that 6 seed, tied for the 8th. You've got Orlando and the Knicks, surprisingly, at 8-11. and 11. The Knicks, another fun, surprising team out east. Very young, play with a lot of hunger, play with a lot of energy. Alfred Payton uh, is having a really good, good season for... Uh, for the Knicks, Bulls at seven and ten, Charlotte seven eleven, Toronto at seven eleven are tied for the eleventh seed. Miami, don't know what happened to Miami. They've had some injuries. They've had some players out. COVID has kind of run rampant through the league, and I think one of the teams they've affected is Miami at six and twelve. Detroit, one of the worst teams in the league. Although they beat our Lakers at five and fourteen, and then Washington at three and eleven. You know what? Washington might actually be the worst team in the league. Washington, Sacramento, Minnesota. Those are your worst three teams in the league. <laughs> Washington, Sacramento, Minnesota. Get Brad Beal out of there. Just don't send him to the Clippers. <laughs> with the 
with that, you can follow me on Twitter at jcdeleon one You can follow the show on Twitter at Lakers. Follow Ethan on Twitter at Ethan underscore Noroff with one F. If you're into sports gambling, follow Hoopball Gaming. Hoopball Gaming is only 10 bucks a month, and I'm a subscriber. They hand out really great picks daily. Uh, pretty good return on your investment if you just stick with them and follow the plan. Uh, listen to those guys when they tell you how many units to bet and things like that. Follow those instructions, and you'll end up doing pretty well for yourself. Um, but with that, I'm your host, JC DeLeon, and we are out. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.